code of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on October the 1st, 2009. Newcomers look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, and you can download hundreds of hours of talks I've given in the past for free. And you can also bookmark the other sites I have on the front page in case any of the major sites go down in the future. That happens once in a while. There's a whole bunch to choose from. Sometimes it's best anyway to pick alternate sites I have up for downloading, especially right after the show, because everyone goes into the comm site and uh, there's too many going in at one time. You can sometimes stick, sometimes stick when you're downloading. There's cuttingthrough.jenkins.com, cuttingthroughthematrix.net.us.ca. There's also Alan Watt, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca. And there's Alan Watt, sentinel.eu, which is a European site, has all the same audios as the rest, but it also has addition of transcripts of some of the talks which you can download for prints up and they are written in the various languages of Europe and remember you bring me to you you are the listeners I'm not sponsored by any of the big boys I don't accept money from advertising all the ads on this show uh, are paid directly to RBN station for the show uh, for the airtime, for their staff for their bills, all that kind of stuff it's very expensive these days to do that kind of stuff and it's up to you to keep me going. So you can buy the things I have for sale on my website at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. There's little boxes here. It'll take you to how to order them. And you can also donate as well. It's up to you how you want to pay. Within the U.S. and Canada, you can use personal checks. That's fine. Uh, you can use PayPal, as I say, for ordering and donation. And there's also international postal money orders inside the U.S., which you can post to Canada and it's accepted here. Outside the Americas, you can use Western Union, MoneyGram, and some people just send straight cash. And that cuts out the guy with the triple chins. Now, those who just get the disc burned and passed to them uh, are often used to complain in a way that uh, they never knew where I was, so they couldn't write to me. They don't use computers. They play them on their CDs, and guys with computers burn them and pass them around. You can write to me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. And the postal code is P as in Peter, the number 3, E as in Elizabeth, the number 4, N as in Nora, and the number 1. And now we are into Red October. Red October. Very significant in the, the big boys' uh, astrology, you might say. But it's really their timetable, because in October, that's when Scorpio kisses the sun, basically. It gives them a kiss of death. And uh, that means it's a goodbye to one system and in with a new, often. And that's why they call it Red October. And it's also uh, why the biggest revolutions in the world took place, especially the, the one in the Soviet Union, in October. They love that month for it. Very, very significant. That's also, of course, the idea of um, Judas kissing Jesus in the garden. 
in the same month of the year. That's where that comes from. The kiss of death, they call it, because the scorpion leaves that mark. It's, it's like lips on the bite mark on your body. So big changes are coming, as we, as we all know. All the listeners on this show definitely know, uh, because they're wiser than the rest of the public, and I'm sure they're more lonely too, because it's not easy to communicate with those who are totally brainwashed. And there is such a thing as being totally brainwashed. Most people are. We've been brought up with scientific indoctrination, starting with your parents, who believed their reality, into school, and then covered by the media and entertainment. Total indoctrination. Back with more after these messages. reality that you've accepted, the one that's been presented to you from birth really, and your parents didn't know to warn you that most of what you're taught in life is bogus, and that this scam after scam working upon you your entire life long. We're taught, and I used to wonder about this in Britain because uh, we were taught at school, it was kind of drummed into you, uh, that uh, about the respectable businessman, respectable was the term that is used. And once in a while, they'd bring some politician who also started off in a business around the school to give a talk, and they all looked rather well-scrubbed, wealthy, and kind of like waxed faces, you know, and uh, different, in other words, than the ordinary folk. And um, they all seemed very polite and respectful of the children in the school. And when you asked a question, they'd stare right at you. And it's true enough, a psychopath, when they put you in their gaze, uh, will make you think you're the only person in the world at that time. They have a natural gift. And then the most charming people you'll ever meet. They're also the same people. They'll do enormous scams, incredible scams, because they have no empathy for others. It's a show they put on, like a different creature copying you. They copy you. They're like cameras that just watch you, watch reactions, watch how people interreact in their emotions during certain types of conversations, and they become excellent actors. In fact, in psychiatry, they did studies and found that the politicians and actors were classified in a group called the hysterical attention-seeking psychopath. So it's no accident that acting types go in for that. They have to be very convincing to the public. The lesser ones go into sales jobs. They're excellent salesmen. They understand their prey instinctively, and they can find your, your weak chinks, and they know right away if they're going to make a sale or not. They can read you like a book. They don't have to study it. It's inborn. It's an innate gift, you might say. And the problem is, these kind of people gravitate towards power, positions of power. And because they're egos, they're, they are egocentric people, they're, the world revolves around them. They need applause, they need recognition, they need people to bow to them and make lavish speeches to them. It really boosts that ego of theirs. And that's why they go into politics and get titles. And, and the British Commonwealth countries are called honorable this and honorable that, and all these different titles are called. They lap that up, and often they can't leave it. It's just like actors. They can't leave the business until it's rather tragic to watch them making movies when they're really, really old, and it just doesn't seem right. They're, they're trying to be young. 
because they live on ego. But the same people, when they get into military establishments and into big, incredible big business, and sometimes own the businesses, will go to incredible lengths, incredible lengths. To the ordinary public, it's incredible. That's why the public can't believe what is really done to them. The public cannot believe the decisions are made in high quarters to bring population levels down, not just talking about it, but finding ways and methods and mandating them to, to actually do it. And I've gone over lots of talks with you about the big boys and their various scams on depopulation, including all the biosphenol and stuff that was really pushed into foods, even baby food, which sterilizes, basically, either completely or partially, the male especially. And that ties in with fertility rates and all that kind of stuff. And they haven't stopped it yet. They give a little lip service and keep going. Because it's a mandate, that's why it's kept going. The public look for excuses for them. That's an incredible thing. It's almost like you're trained to love someone. You're, you're respectful of them. And you are trained to an extent. Uh, and you will make excuses for them. They can't really mean that. No, they'd never do that. Remember that the big um, demonstrations in London earlier on in the year, and Mr. Tomlinson, who was a worker, a news vendor, was coming home from work, and he was passing near the demonstration site, and some people with video cameras caught him on their cameras being knocked down and batoned by police, not just once, but time and time again. He died on the spot, and uh, the Home Office, which is the, the British system of, like, FEMA, basically, or Homeland Security that takes care of all laws in Britain, they did an autopsy immediately, do you see, and they said that he died of a heart attack, sudden heart attack. Nothing to do with getting beaten up by the police. And batons rammed in your stomach and your chest, stuff like that, in the backs of your legs, whacked so your feet go away from you. Nothing to do with that. And luckily, enough people had independent videos of this that the press did pick it up and they threw a bone to the public and they did a second autopsy independently from the home office and found that his chest and abdominal cavities were full of blood which was inconsistent with a sudden heart attack it was more bodily trauma that's the kind of lens though it shows you that government does all the time they'll go to this all the time to cover themselves it wouldn't matter if a hundred people were, were beaten to death They'd still cover it. I'm not joking. It would sound ludicrous to the few that can think. But the majority of people would want to believe them. We really want to believe them. Because deep within us all, we have a tribal instinct. And the people that you think represent you represent the tribe. Most people will never even think through this process or even think in that manner. They don't know. They just automatically do it. But that's why it works. And that's also why people rather than going to the unthinkable, which would demand action on their part. It would also demand a whole radical new way of looking at everything. They'd rather make an excuse for the perpetrators and say, well, I guess it's plausible, but they're telling it's plausible, and you want to believe the plausible. Well, here's big business again, with the Gardasil and all the other companies, pharma companies, that have just got into the big act of mandating through laws from governments to get their various products stuck into different people across the planet, fight the whole population uh, for various uh, vaccines. Do you understand that 
if you take the Garda cell and so on, there's children turning six and seven and eight all the time from now till goodness knows when that will happen. And if you, trillions of dollars are at stake having these things mandated by governments across the planet. Do you think if one person or two or a hundred or a thousand died, that they would ever come out and admit that's what caused the death? No, they wouldn't. They would not. There's even people listening to this will say, oh, sure, sure, they couldn't get away. Yeah, they can get away with that because they've got away with this kind of thing in the, the past with drugs, various drugs they put out. There's been drugs put out for arthritis that were given folk strokes and heart attacks. They kept it quiet for ages. Do you think that politicians are not given big bribes through these lobbyists that they're always meeting with? What do you think it's all about? What do you really think lobbying is all about? You're so naive, you think it's shaking hands and just conceding that this is a good product that should get pushed on the public? Do you really, are you really so naive in the matrix? Is your conditioning so incredibly complete that you believe that? Look at the salaries of the politicians. The bureaucrats get more. What did the politicians get out of it, apart from ego status and meeting the lobbyists and so on? They get payoffs, big payoffs when they leave office, sometimes when they're in office. They get seats and directorships on big companies. They don't have to attend the board meetings. They get massive shares in these corporations and companies too. That's how it works. That's the real world. And don't you believe for an instant that many people can be killed by what they do to you and not covered up? They will be covered up for as long as they can get away with it. I can remember when Huxley and so on had advocated drugging the whole populations and bang, in the 1970s out came Librium and Valium and a whole host of tranquilizers before the 70s were out, the newspapers said that three quarters of British women were on Librium or Valium. And they knew from the very beginning, because they'd done testing separately in a Middle Eastern country, uh, that this thing was physically addictive. And yet for 30 years, through, you know what, under the hand, under the table uh, grabs of cash and so on, to the right people, and to the medical professions who, the medical profession goes by what their Lancet magazines or their medical journal tells them. They won't believe anything unless it's in that journal, but they'll believe anything that is in the journal. And they would see all these patients coming in with different symptoms and they put it down to psychological effects, psychological dependencies. Meanwhile, emergency rooms were seeing people having convulsions trying to get off of these things, physical convention. These were not in the imagination. 30 years they kept that kind of stuff quiet. Now they admit, yeah, it can be physically dependent and addictive. When there's trillions of dollars at stake, believe you me, there's no limit on the lives that can go under before all surface as to the truth of what's causing it. That's the real world. That's how it really is. It's not nice, it's not pretty, and these are not respectable people that get to the top, especially in big corporations. They are utterly ruthless. Sorry to burst the bubbles. Now, there was a little girl killed right after getting a shot, one of these supposedly 
vaccines supposedly to prevent cancer later on in life. And this is from the London Evening Standard and there's other papers as well. You can check out, do the, the checking yourself. And it's, uh, it says here, it says, uh, cancer jab unlikely to have caused girls' death. Right? Natalie Morton died shortly after taking the jab. They're calling it the jab now. Health chiefs were insisting today that a cervical cancer vaccine was safe after a 14-year-old who died shortly after being given the jab was found to have an underlying medical condition. Now, guess who autopsied her, right? Just like Mr. Tomlinson. Hmm? That's how it works. Someone, some doctors only have a big, big, long hoardie in the Caribbean. Back with more after this break on this topic. are for is to make you believe and be naive that the system 
is all on the up and up, and it's all run by very honest people. The opposite is true. That's a real world. That's, that's a real world. And this goes on to even... The, we've all lived through the farce, starting with the 9-11 towers coming down, 2001. And bingo, the whole world is in there, an action plan that was obviously pre-arranged between all the countries to sign anti-terrorism bills immediately and take away the rights of all the peoples at the same time. Because a world society has to be cemented together now. The old way, again, has to be totally destroyed. And we're living through the destruction. We're living through destruction. And people still want to believe that everything that happens, including the bank crash, is all independent. Everything is independent. Plagues and so on. And it's all independent of, of each other. That's how we're trained to believe, you see. Because you wouldn't do that, would you? You couldn't go to these lands. You couldn't kill people, for instance, to get an agenda through, would you? So other, other, others can't do that either, right? We all went through the farce of the build-up and the attack into Afghanistan. The media in Canada even reported about a year later when they changed their sights to Iraq. Uh, they even showed the, on the press some of the hearings with George Bush, and he says, well, I never said that Iraq had anything to do with 9-11. I just thought he was a bad man and should be removed. But within, after he'd said that, within a year, polls were taken in the U.S. and Canada, and it was a Canadian uh, company that did the poll, and they found that most Americans were back to believing that Iraq had been the cause of 9-11 because of the following media barrage to that effect. The lies. They want to believe the lies, you see. And we saw the farce with Colin Powell showing us these fuzzy photographs and said, oh, see, there's a missile already get launched and all this kind of stuff. And it turned out to be weather balloon uh, tractors that had been sold to them by a company in Britain. And, and on and on it went, weapons of mass destruction. We saw the demonization of the people before. And we're going through the same thing with the new boss, Obama, on Iran, the new boss. We're getting the same stuff, fuzzy photographs and stuff like that. This is from the New Statesman, published uh, it was, uh, October the 1st, 2009. Obama's showdown with Iran has another agenda. It says the media have been tasked with preparing the public for endless war. In 2001, the Observer published a series of reports that claimed an Iraqi connection to al-Qaeda, even describing the base in Iraq where the training of terrorists took place and a facility where anthrax was being manufactured as a weapon of mass destruction. It was all false supplied by U.S. intelligence and Iraqi exiles, planted stories in the British and U.S. media, helped George Bush and Tony Blair to launch an illegal invasion which caused, according to the most recent study, 1.3 million deaths. You think people won't do this? 1.3 million? Gee, that's how they do it. Something similar is happening over Iran. The same syncopation of government and media revelations, the same manufacture of a sense of crisis and showdown. Back with more to show you how the technique works after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just showing you how your reality is created for you and how the same techniques are simply used over and over again. Remember, Plato talked about formula in controlling uh, culture and directing culture. And basically, if you understand the formula that's worked in the past on any group of people in any country, and you, you know how to implement it in the right sequence, it will work exactly the same way again. That's why they never change their technique. It works. Why change it? The demonization, of, as they want to, to uh, get you all prepared that these nasty people must be invaded, is happening now over Iran, you see. And this article from the New Statesman goes into it. It says, something similar is happening over Iran. The same syncopation of government and media revelations. The same manufacture of a sense of crisis. And use the terms, showdown looms with Iran over a secret nuclear plant, declared the Guardian newspaper on the 26th of September. Showdown is a theme. High noon. Remember the movie High Noon? The clock ticking. The good versus evil. At a smooth New U.S. president has put paid to the Bush years. An immediate echo is a notorious Guardian front page of 22nd of May 2007. Iran's secret plan for summer offensive to force U.S. out of Iraq based on unsubstantiated claims by the Pentagon. The writer Simon Tisdall presented as fact an Iranian plan to wage war on and defeat the U.S. forces in Iraq by September of that year. A demonstrable falsehood for which there has been no retraction. Now, I've even gone through the articles from the Pentagon, their own uh, claims, that they put out all these PSYOP operation insertions into newspapers, and, and through different names, many different names they use as well. And, and uh, it was an incredible admission from the Pentagon to do this all the time, even down to how many hundreds they expect to do in a year in advance. So the official jargon for this kind of propaganda is PSYOPs, the military term for psychological operations. In the Pentagon and Whitehall has become a critical component of a diplomatic and military campaign to blockade, isolate and weaken Iran by hyping its nuclear threat, a phrase now used incessantly by Barack Obama and Gordon Brown and parroted by the BBC and other broadcasters as objective news. And it is fake. On the 16th of September, Newsweek disclosed that the major U.S. intelligence agencies had reported to the White House that Iran's nuclear status had not changed since the National Intelligence Estimate of November 2007, which stated with high confidence that Iran had halted in 2003 the program it was alleged to have developed. The International Atomic Agency has backed this time and time again. The current propaganda derives... Remember, they did the same thing with Iraq. Remember all that stuff? The, the UN's uh, Atomic uh, Energy Agency kept going in there saying they couldn't find anything. The media kept saying this, and then the same media would, would give the, the president's point of view and all these backers' point of view. Oh, yeah, they're, they're there, they're there. They have it all. The current propaganda derives from Obama's announcement that the U.S. is scrapping missiles stationed in Russia's border. This serves to cover the fact that the U.S., the number of U.S. missile sites is actually expanding in Europe and the redundant missiles are being redeployed on ships. The game is to mollify Russia into joining, if not obstructing, the U.S. campaign against Iran. President Bush was right, said Obama, that Iran's ballistic missile program 
poses a significant threat to Europe and the U.S. That's all they have to say to justify war. Iran's ballistic missile program poses a significant threat to Europe and the U.S. That Iran would contemplate a suicidal attack on the U.S. is preposterous. The threat, as ever, is one way, with the world's superpower virtually ensconced on Iran's borders. Iran's crime is its independence. Having thrown out America's favorite tyrant, Shah Reza Pahlavi, Iran remains the only resource-rich Muslim state beyond U.S. control. As only Israel has a right to exist in the Middle East, the U.S. goal is to cripple the Islamic Republic. This will allow Israel to divide and dominate the Middle East on Washington's behalf, undeterred by a confident neighbor. If any country in the world has been handed urgent cause to develop a nuclear deterrence, it is Iran. As one of the original signatories of the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, Iran has been consistent advocate of a nuclear-free zone in the Middle East. In contrast, Israel has never agreed to an IAEA inspection, and its nuclear weapons point at Dimona remains an open secret. Armed with as many as 200 active nuclear warheads, Israel deplores UN resolutions calling on it to sign the NPT, just as it deplored the recent UN report charging it with crimes against humanity in Gaza, just as it maintains a world record for violations of international law. It gets away with this because great power grants it immunity. Then it goes on to go on the preparing for endless war. Now remember, as I said before, when they set up Israel and the British uh, Lieutenant General Governor, who acted on behalf of the same powers as royalty, uh, when they were appointed to that position, uh, was Lord Storrs, who eventually married, I believe, one of the Rothschilds. But anyway... Uh, he uh, said himself that we are putting uh, an ulster in the Middle East, and everyone in the UK knows what that means to, to Ireland and Britain. It's basically an outpost of policy for the future geopolitics. And we've lived through it, we've lived through it, and that's true. That's why Israel is able to get away with so much openly. Because there's big, bigger powers behind it. Bigger powers. Now, I don't know how, I, I really do wonder sometimes when you, and I'm sure many of you out there who are awake have gone through the process of wondering how much we can take uh, from, from governments when they rub our faces. It's almost like they poop and then they rub your face in it. They humiliate you, and they do humiliate you all the time. The problem is, at each time you allow them to do it, it gives them more confidence to do even more. It's a form of sadomasochism. The sadist, just like a junkie, needs a bigger and bigger high to get off the next time. And that, that when you allow them to do it, it encourages them to do a worse thing the next time. This article here, it's from CBC, the, the, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, uh, affectionately called the Communist Broadcasting Corporation, because it's run by the, the, the government here, and even employ insiders have written and said it's all communistic, always has been, totally global. And it's directed the culture of Canada uh, with, a, I'd say, a, a very, a, an iron fist, because 
the same people, you, once you start in the CBC, you've got a job for life. They could come, had comedians there for 30 years, the same comedians, telling the same jokes. Jobs for the boys. Anyway, from the CBC News, taxpayers are on the hook for any H1N1 vaccine damages. Uh, September the 30th, 2009. The seasonal flu vaccine is not a contributor or a cause of severe disease from H1N1. Listen, now, this is how they talk in, in these uh, British Commonwealth countries. If you want confusion, listen to this. The seasonal flu vaccine is not a contributor or a cause of severe illness disease from H1N1. Evidence suggests, again, very scientific. The seasonal flu vaccine is, is it repeats it again, I don't know why they keep doing this. If there are lawsuits over the H1N1 vaccine, it will be the federal government, meaning the taxpayer, right? Not the vaccine maker that picks up the tab for any damages awarded by courts. Contracts between governments and vaccine manufacturers usually include an indemnity clause that exempts companies if there are problems with the vaccine. Canada's Chief Public Health Officer, Dr. David Butler Jones, told reporters Wednesday. The provision does not apply, however, in the case of malpractice. If a doctor injects a vaccine the wrong way, for example, well, that would mean he'd inject himself, wouldn't it? Or maybe he'd inject it in your ear or something. How ludicrous, how ludicrous even put that in there. Butler Jones said there appears to be no increase, appears very scientific, appears to be no increased risk of severe disease from the H1N1 virus among people who received seasonal flu shots. So he's talking about the, the annual one they've been trying to get us all to take for years. Then he goes to say this. Listen to this. Can you make sense of this? Those who have severe disease have the same rate of having been immunized with seasonal vaccine as a general population. Those who have severe disease have the same rate of having been immunized with seasonal vaccine as a general population, Butler Jones said. So the seasonal vaccine is not a contributor or a cause of severe disease or illness in those people. You ever wonder, I mean, how does the bureaucratic mind work? Because they can't say anything that makes any sense, or is that their cover? Still, the federal government, provinces, territories, and researchers are reviewing preliminary, preliminary unpublished research that suggests people in three provinces who receive seasonal flu shots may be at twice the risk of getting a case of swine flu that doesn't require hospitalization. So that they're admitting uh, that some people have had the seasonal flu shot. This flu shot may have set them up to catch the swine flu. That's what I read yesterday. They're trying to obfuscate it here, the way they're wording everything. Maybe at twice the risk of getting, even though it's twice the risk, that's amazing, isn't it? Of getting a case of swine flu that doesn't require hospital. And they know you won't require hospitalization. How could they tell you wouldn't require hospitalization? Now, listen to this. He hypothesized, he guessed, that perhaps people who got seasonal flu shots may have been more likely to go to their doctor to get tested for H1N1. What's that about? The sooner that the review and the study are made public and can be scrutinized, the better, said an infectious diseases expert in Ontario. My opinion is it's already out there, said Dr. Michael Gardam. Director of Infectious Diseases Prevention and Control at the Ontario Agency for Health Protection and Promotion. I guess they promote each other. And they promote all this stuff, propaganda. It's out there 
And I would say it's important to be as open and transparent as possible. That's why they're giving us all these guesses and hypotheses and doublespeak. This is from, this is from the government, the CBC. See, they want you to be, to be utterly confused. And then when they launch their propaganda thing to get it, you see all these smiling faces, happily getting injections and going out and playing afterwards. You'll just give in because you've got, you're punch drunk with, with contradictory reports. And you go along with the happy faces. That's why it's done that way. That's why it's done that way. And there's so many articles, as I say, I'd love to go through, and there's never enough time. But uh, in the U.S. too, it's interesting to see that, that um, in Fox News, they said Senate finally to, to introduce the climate bill. This is the big hammer. And it'll be passed, uh, I think, before December the 7th to the 18th in Copenhagen. This is why they're trying to pass it in the States first, getting on board, creating consensus between all the countries, passing the laws in advance. And it says here, Washington, a climate bill being introduced, that was yesterday, and the U.S. Senate would impose deep reductions in greenhouse gas emissions. You know, this invisible nonsense that's to enslave us all. The chamber's slow, deliberate process, however, makes it unlikely that the United States will have a bill and a firm reduction target to present at a World Environment Conference in Copenhagen, Denmark, in just over two months. Then they go on to tell you how much they want to decrease the outputs of emissions in the U.S. And you see, if you work through it, they keep talking about 2050. It has to be down about 80%. Do you realize that means there's 80% of us won't be around? To make that happen, do you do you really understand what they're really getting at? With all the other statements I've read on the air here, from Prince Philip, too many people in the Optimum Population Trust, too many people, Prince Charles, too many people, and all the other eugenicists out there speaking on behalf of the very wealthy elites who've already planned a future utopia for themselves, and they've got all academia on board because this is taught as fact. We've got to reduce the population in academia. And people jump from one side to the other and say, yeah, well, you know, Alan, you just can't let people, let people breed forever. The history of the world, if you into the history of the cultures in the Western world, we have been depopulating for a long time with families having less and less and less children. A lot of them have none at all. And the only reason that they keep the numbers up is immigration. That's admitted in the British media and parliament. So you can't please them by bringing down your own population. They open the doors and bring in the floodgates, open the floodgates to bring them in to show you that you're overpopulated. Because, see, the whole world must be convinced it's overpopulated because this is a global government. You can have no exceptions. You're saying, well, that can't include us. We don't have enough people to worry about. And when people have a better standard of living and they have money to buy things and purchase, they do as, Char- as Galton Darwin talked about, they do postpone uh, children or have maybe one or two at the most in order to get the material goods they want. That's well understood. So people were following that plan for a long time. People were actually going along with it, but now we're not happy. We're still living too long, you see. We're now we're living too long, and um, we're not dying off fast enough for them. So they're saying we're, we're, we're using too much of the world's resources as we go after the material 
Remember what, what George Orwell said, when, a, when any government or people can have total ownership of all material goods and distribution, and when they distribute it to you, they call it a privilege, then you're under tyranny. That's what you're under, folks. That's what this whole sustainable development ecological nonsense is all about. It's just the same old plan to depopulate off, or get rid of the junk genes so as the elite can rule in their lovely utopia without having to see uh, the peasants in the countryside. That kind of stuff. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Once again, most folk with an indoctrination can never believe there are people in the world who challenge. I've been among some of them. I've heard them chatting like this. And they mean it. And believe you me, the ones even higher than them who sit at the meetings implement ways to bring down the population. That's why cancer is now basically one out of two, or basically we're all going to get it if we don't have it already. It's not by accident within a span of 50 years cancer rampaged to this level. It didn't happen by itself. In by itself. It's, it's done through vaccines and so on. Read the writings by Lord Bertrand Russell, a guy who said he wished the Black Plague would come back. So did Prince Philip say the same thing. He said, well, come back to the virus and kill off the excess population. They exist, all right. They're there and they have power. Back with more after this break. through this incredible oh, matrix is so confusing because it's deliberately made that way so you can't think for yourself you give up as I say and you go with the experts at the end after they've mind bombed you with opposing opinions on every major topic that's how it works and uh, last night a caller called in it was Chris uh, Shiv Charan from Toronto and the Toronto Truth Seekers to say that he'd be on the national that's the CBC main national news work network and they call it the national at night and they said it didn't air they were supposed to but chose not to it says they gave some bogus reasons saying they didn't have the airtime. however they did air it on the local news which is nothing like the national and uh, one of the members saw it and taped it and they did show them in a good light although they kept it as I said on localized news so he's going to send me a link when it's done and I'll put it up on the website for you to see and it's good that people are standing up for themselves at this time when government truly is on a road to take all your rights away from you. Every right that you thought you ever had has been taken away from you. And uh, I think we've got time just for a caller right now. We'll try Dan from Kentucky. Are you there, Dan? Yes, Alan, and I wanted to uh, thank you for all your caring and careful work over these many years. And anyone that hasn't read your books, uh, it will really help people and change their perspective. And people uh, all have experience of psychopaths in their family, relatives, work, or people they meet uh, being betrayed by friends or whatever, and I think they could just use that yeah. um, um, experience and apply it uh, to these uh 
psychopaths that are running the world. Um, one of the books I really like that you mentioned is John Robeson's Proofs of Conspiracy because if people read that, it will show them that uh, uh, any story that they are told, a New Age story, a biblical story, a utopian story, whatever, uh, can be made up by any psychopath, and all they have to do is uh, have the personal memory and experience of what somebody did to them, led them along the garden path, or uh, twisted their their uh, opinion or betrayed them or whatever, and they can see in that book uh, that, um, you know, how it works. Um, if people live in a town where there's a uh, public university, it's a lot easier to get these books at university libraries because they let you have access to them if because they're public universities. Mm-hmm. And I found something very interesting today uh, in a radio uh, question uh, show, they were talking about Milton Bradley, who invented a game called Candyland that uh, we all grew up with. And just uh, before you get to the candy, you have to go through a swamp, kind of like uh, Mozart's Magic Flute and uh-huh. so forth. But what was interesting is that he lived around the 1860s, and he invented a game uh, with a checkerboard uh, called the Game of Life. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really interesting because it sounded like the Masonic game that you described in Westminster Abbey and the checkerboard with the Templars and That's right. so forth. And yeah. then it was modernized uh, by Art Linkleiter. Uh-huh. and came out again as the Game of Life. And he also brought new methods of education uh, to America like John Dune he did. So here's somebody playing a game of life with our minds when we're children. How sure. sick. It's so sick, but it's the perfect time to do it if you want to dominate them. Yeah, you've got to get them when they're that age. And they have. They've got everyone, basically. But thanks for calling, Dan. You're quite right. Interesting, too, that checkerboard is used on the police uh, helmets in Britain. And I noticed, too, in New York City, uh, that's the Masonic tesserated floor they use it on the floors of their Masonic lodges as well the dark and the lights the, the two sides of the Kabbalah basically there's no such thing as uh, good and evil it's just a continuation of one into another according to them it's how you view it that way you can excuse anything from Hamish and myself into your Canada it's good night to me your God or your gods go with you